Isn't that exciting to see that many smiling faces head out this way? If it warms our hearts, and they're going to learn more and more about Christ. Thank you, parents, for what you're doing this morning. We had a, and we don't plan baptisms as such, but when people give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, we'll baptize literally every single Sunday. We'll be back here tonight at 5 o'clock for Experiencing God. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you've never been baptized, we'll baptize you tonight. We'll keep the water warm and baptize you tonight because it's being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Contrary to what some people teach, baptism does not save you. You cannot be saved by being baptized. Because if you could, we, we were saved our whole life because we used to get in the swimming pools or the river or creeks and just slap each other in the water. We'd, pray, we'd play church or play preacher, right? And, and we'd baptize each other. My friends, we'd baptize each other, uh, just slam each other in the water. And um, it just we called it baptism. Baptism is, is basically a symbolic picture. It doesn't cleanse your sins away. It's a picture of what's happening on the inside of you. You're saying outside, I am identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. I am being buried with Christ. And I'm being rose, arisen again to walk in newness of life. That's what, it's just a picture of the outside. The candidates that are baptized, no matter their age, if they're young, we tell them, listen, everybody now is going to hold you to the Christian standard. That's where church discipline comes into play. When you get older and you get into sin, what do we do? We call you in and we say, listen, hey, brother, sister, we heard you're involved in this sin. Stop it. Stop it. Because it's not holy, it's not righteous, it's not right. Stop that sin. If you're a member of Town Creek Baptist Church, we will hold you to that standard because you have said that you are a Christian and you want to live the holy life. If you're not a member, we have no control or authority with or of you, and we love you. Uh, we will bring out, obviously, truth to you as best we can. But for us, we are, judgment, the Bible says, starts in the house of God. That's us. We look to ourselves and say, hey, this is the Christian standard. Hold me to it. I say the same thing as pastor. I'm held to the same standard as everyone else. There's not a pass for staff. There's not a difference between those who preach and sing up here versus those who learn and are equipped and go out and, and minister to the world. There's no difference. We're all one under Christ. We're called vocationally sometimes differently, but we're all under the same standard. So when you see someone baptized, can you as a Christian say, hey, brother, sister, that's not right. What you're saying is not right. Would you, listen, this is the error of your ways. The Bible says if a brother or sister's in sin, what should we do? Go to them how? Quietly, right? One-on-one, uh, not on social media, uh, don't call them out on social media, don't call them out in a family gathering, call them out one-on-one. Now, if it's public and it's really quick and they're sinning and they know that they're doing it, would you address it right there on the spot? If someone took all their clothes off and ran around up here, do you think we would address that right now? Yes, we would basically escort them out, security would take them out, and we would call somebody, right? I don't know who we would call, we'd call somebody, so... They wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. They're not doing that here because the things in the Lord's house should be done in order. So then we, if, we don't, if they don't listen to you, then you take two or three witnesses with you. This is what Matthew 18, 15, you can look it up for yourself in the Bible. And you go to them and say, this is not right what you're doing. And another brother or sister that loves you says, this is not right. Another brother or sister that loves you says, this is not right. And if you call up in the sin and you can't turn from it, then it says, let them come before the church. Now, have y'all ever been in part of a church that actually had the full church discipline that went all the way to the platform of the church to the church? If you've been a member here for a long time, you have. We've, we've had it in this very church. Do we like it? No. Is it comfortable? No. But is it necessary because Jesus said so? Yes. And we follow Jesus Christ. This is his church. He's the head of this church. So therefore, if he says it, we're going to obey him and do it. Amen. And it might come off as like, you guys are so legalistic. You'll get all those words. You guys are so fill in the blank. 
We'll take it. Listen, you can say any words you want to say to me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Martin and I talked about it during the war. Bullets were shot at us, and even in our ship, we had a service-to-air missile that returned and tried to almost come back and shoot us. So I've had missiles shot at me and bullets. So words don't really offend me, and I don't want to come off as callous, but I trust Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. You didn't save me. No one else saved me. So even my own wife, her words matter to me but they don't override the Word of God. So just to, today in our society, we care what everyone else thinks. I would encourage you to care what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks. And with as much TLC you can, speak the truth in love. Amen? Does the Word offend you? Yes, if you're saved today, it had to offend you that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You had to come to the place of receiving Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian today, I promise you, you're going to be offended by the Word of God today. We're going to read, there's unbelieving Jewish leadership, and you are the same person as they are, a sinner in need of a Savior. And let's read today, Jesus, he tries to humbly and lovingly tell the Jews, his chosen people, the truth, and what do they do? The leadership rejects him, and you're going to see that many people follow him. And it's almost like chapter 10 is the same as chapter 9, chapter 8, we go through and say, Lord, how long? And we know that we're building up. Next week, we'll start a journey towards the cross. And we're going to see that they actually, what is, the, what is the goal of the Jewish leadership? They want the cross. That's why we have a cross in the church. They're heading him. They want him dead. They want to kill him. And I want to begin in chapter 10, verse 22. And I want to publicly thank Mike last week for, Brother Mike uh, shared with us. And, and I got to watch it online. So it's uh, something that we were, our, our youngest grandbaby was being dedicated. So we were sitting in church last week and taking notes. So it was, uh, it was a nice weekend to be away with family, and I thank you for that. And I did lose my hair on Wednesday. So the kids raised enough money. Coach Smith told them if they raised $2,000 for the American Heart Association that the kids could shave my head. The kids raised $2,700. Thank you to some of you parents. I know that kids didn't raise that. Y'all did that. So compliments of Town Creek Christian Academy is my bald head. I was likened to Pastor Clean. And now, now I'm Pastor Stubbles, I think, so it's, a, it's like Velcro on my head. So our kids really do have a heart, and parents have a heart, grandparents have a heart to fulfill missions, not just in salvation for the kingdom, but also for actually little kids' hearts, because it was a, a, heart, a heart challenge for the children to raise for other children with heart problems. So our kids did a good job. John chapter 10, beginning of verse 22, we'll pick up there. Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And there in your, your some Bibles might say the Judaizers are the Jewish leadership. This is not just the regular people in the temple area here. This is the leadership coming to him. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to, of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch, and no one is able to snatch, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Who can take you out of the Father's hand? So your friends who believe you can be saved and lost, what does this passage tell you from the words of Jesus Christ? If a preacher standing up here telling you or some other person is telling you you can lose your salvation, listen, they are in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He says, they've been given to me, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Who are we compared to God? Minuscule, sand, fleas, gnats, even less than that. We're the smallest of atoms, potentially even smaller than that to God. But just get that down in your head. What can take you from the hand of God? Nothing, no one. And you might want to jot down Romans 8, 35 through 39. We won't read that this morning. Paul goes through a litany of things that says, listen, height or depth. He, he lists all these different things. He says, and I am persuaded that nothing shall be able to take me from the love or the hand of God. So what can take us from the hand of God? The answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. Remember that because in our culture today, people say, well, oh, we get saved, and then we can just sin all we want to. Well, let me tell you something. When you get saved, you don't want to sin. It's something that changes in your heart. You want to do something different. You want to live a different way. Uh, it's not just turning over a new leaf. It's actually becoming all new, the Bible says. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You might be a church member. I was for a long time, but I was a cussing Baptist. I was a drinking Baptist. So are some of you. But I got saved, and God changed my life because he said the former things go away from those things and come to Christ. I was never saved. Uh, it was, we, I heard it preached, I'm sure, but I never listened. Until I was 21 years old in the military when I was in the Navy, that's when I gave my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He truly, truly changed me that day. I've never been the same ever since. Baptism didn't change me. Uh, the waters of baptism didn't change me. Going to church didn't change me. Near-death experiences didn't change me. It was only the preaching of the Word of God and hearing the Spirit of God draw me to Himself and the Lord Jesus Christ changed me. I heard for once and for all that I knew that I needed to be forgiven of my sin, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and He was the only way to salvation. And when that day I gave my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ at the church, I didn't know anyone in. I just pulled out, walked down front, and said, Preacher, I want what you're talking about. And he says, what are you talking about? And I said, you just preached about giving your, having peace and having uh, a counselor, having all those things. He preached on Isaiah 9, 6. Look it up sometime. It's a beautiful passage. And I said, I want that in my life. And he said, I'm talking about Jesus. And that was the day I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Have I been perfect since? The answer is no. My wife's here. My family's here. They know that's true. But I'm not the same man I used to be because the Lord Jesus Christ changed me. I want to do the things for the kingdom of God. I want to serve him. I want to lead my family. I want to lead others toward Jesus Christ not away from Jesus Christ. If all your activities are always pointing away from the Lord Jesus Christ, I would say you're not saved. Uh, listen, you will do the things that God wants you to do. You'll live the way that God wants you to live. If you're constantly going in the other direction of Jesus, you'll find out you don't belong to him. You're on a different path. Adrian Rogers used to say either you're in collusion with the devil, you're going down the same train tracks with him, or you're in collision with the devil. There is no in-between. You're either riding on the train with him, or you're going to collide with him because you're Spiritually fighting day by day the righteous fight that Paul talks about. Well, let's continue to read. Watch what Jesus says. He says in verse 30, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered, answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. Which of these or which of those works do you stone me? Jews answered him, saying, For we're good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Can I just put a note right here for a second? Mark it in your Bible. They didn't say his works were bad either. What did they recognize? Remember when the young man came to Jesus? He said, good teacher, tell us. And he says, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. So they recognized, and then we have known Nicodemus has already let the cat out of the bag in John chapter 3. Nicodemus says, 
listen, we know that you're from God for all the things that you're doing. And what does Jesus do? You must be born again, right? A direct shot that you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? And Jesus says, listen, I'm trying to tell you something spiritually, something spiritual, and you can't hear it. You can't handle it because why? You're of this world. I'm trying to tell you there is one way to heaven. And he later tells his disciples, there is but one way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So when you see that in the passage there, you should make a note saying, listen, Jesus identified, I and the Father are one, and which of these good works do you stone me for? And they thought he was just a mere man. And if we had a man who made himself God, we would say he's a false prophet, wouldn't we? Have there been men today that say they're God? Yes, they've put themselves up and exalted themselves. The church of, they call themselves Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They believe he's God's man on the earth. The Roman Catholics believe, believe the Pope is God's man here on earth. Listen, there is no man on earth without sin. And there's only been one that's walked this earth without sin, and his name is Jesus Christ. He was virgin born, supernaturally born of a virgin, but because of the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, there was but one man, his name is Jesus Christ, that's ever lived, that's ever been perfect throughout his life. We know Adam and Eve were perfect until they sinned. I'm talking about someone who came from heaven. I'm talking about God himself who came to this earth to die on the cross for your sins and for mine, that we might have eternal life. The Bible says he came to save sinners. He came to save his people from their sins, and praise God that he did. Jesus answered, verse 34, is, is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? And you might have a footnote there. It's, it refers you back over to uh, Psalm 82.6. We'll read all of Psalm 82 if we have time in just a moment. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I am in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. He didn't go hiding from them. I believe this is something that's supernatural. We talked about a couple weeks ago. I believe Jesus walked right through the presence of them, and they could not see him. You say, well, he, did he turn into the invisible man? Well, he was in, still in skin. I believe he did because they, these guys were professional stoners. You know, that's actually what their job was. <laughs> uh, they loved to stone people, not smoke marijuana. They threw rocks, right? They were stoners. They, this, this was their profession. Hey, go ahead. If you were a, a disobedient child and you wouldn't obey your parents, they were to take you to the city gates, and the city officials were to stone you to death right there at the city gates as a teenager or as a child. You were to kill your child uh, with stones if you disobeyed your parents. How many of y'all would actually be dead today? Yes. Aren't you glad we live under a day of grace today? Well, I am as well. And listen, verse 40. And he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him right there. And it's the town, we'll see, the town of Bethany. You'll see that. We'll go to your notes. Let me show you the couple things. John specifically points in Scripture, and we've talked about these. We pointed these out. He, every festival, John points out, hey, Jesus was at this festival. It's this time for this festival, and the festival always, the Jews look forward to the Messiah's coming. Every day a Jew is looking, hopefully that the Messiah is coming, but especially on the festival days. So they've gathered now, the Jews are celebrating. This is called the Festival of Lights or the Festival of Dedication, or today, what do we call it? Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah. 
This is actually Hanukkah. Did Jesus celebrate Hanukkah? It sounds so weird because that's a word we still use today. We're not so far away from biblical history. Yes, Jesus celebrated the, the, this, this festival. He came, and, and we know Hanukkah happened, uh, the, well, they celebrated Hanukkah. It was, they have a menorah. Obviously, if you look at Hanukkah, it was when the Jews resisted the Greeks, and basically there was a rededication of the temple and a rededication of themselves, and they supposedly only had one day of oil that went in the menorah, and they had to fight multiple days, and they fought for eight days. The oil never ran out. Miraculously, the oil kept, kept keeping the place lit, and they celebrate now for eight days. So that's where the eight days of Hanukkah comes in. The seven de- candles of a menorah were the seven days of creation. No, seven, that's six, yeah, seven, seven days of creation. And then the Jews, uh, the, after this uh, eight days, they celebrated uh, making the menorah. If you see today, it's nine candles. There's nine candles on the menorah. The nine candles are the eight days of the miraculous oil maintaining. And then they have one candle over by itself. If you ever look at a new menorah, a nine-candle menorah, and they call that the servant candle. Do you think there's a word picture there? Who is the servant? The Lord Jesus Christ. Even forming the nine candles, they're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is a servant. Without knowing that they're doing that, uh, that's what they're putting down, that Jesus Christ is a servant. Because Jesus said, what did he do? with the? We know that he was with his disciples. He took off his outer clothing, put on the, the clothing of a slave. He bent down, and what did he do? He washed his disciples' feet. He was the servant of his disciples. He modeled for them how to serve. We even talk about it today. You need to be a servant leader. You need to actually lead people to Jesus Christ, but you serve them on the way to uh, their place or to a place of salvation. This is winter celebration taking place sometime in late November, early December. And by the way, if you're just curious, you have your smartphones. This year, Hanukkah is on Hanukkah 22 is Sunday, December 18th through Monday, December 26th. It begins in the evening. And this is the time of the Jews to a time of rededication. If you've got a Jewish friend or someone you know, what a great time to celebrate. We're celebrating what? Christmas. We're celebrating the Christmas season. Cut through all the commercial stuff at Lowe's and, and Walmart and all the other places we go and get straight to the heart of Christmas. What is Christmas all about? That God said his son was coming. He said the Messiah was coming. And Christmas we celebrate. He has come, right? We celebrate every year. We celebrate with food and gifts. We give the same thing with the Jews are doing with Hanukkah. They're exchanging gifts, saying this is a celebration time because God sustained us so that we might have a rededication of the temple and we would have our, our Jerusalem back. It was a time of excitement for them. Is Christmas a time of excitement? Many times in America, it's a time of what? I want, I want, I want. And parents are making it worse because we give, we give, we give. Instead of actually focusing on saying, listen, let's go together and let's get to the house of the Lord together. Listen, it's about Jesus Christ coming to save sinners. It's Matthew 1. The virgin's going to give birth. It's about the proclamation of the holy angels speaking that, hey, the Messiah is coming. And in Christmas we celebrate, he has come. And then we celebrate, we're going to celebrate April. What? His death, burial, and resurrection. Really, it's Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to talk a lot about that coming up the next couple weeks. We're going to start a journey in our small groups at 9 o'clock. We hope that you're there at Catalyst. But next Sunday we'll actually be in here for Catalyst Large Group because we're going to launch that out and see. God was trying to tell us something even at, at that time we call Easter, uh, but we really call it the Resurrection or Holy Week uh, as we, we talk about getting closer. Well, look, I want to fill in the blanks. I want you to see this. John told us clearly it was the time of the Festival of Dedication or your Bible might say Festival of Lights. He mentioned the season, which is what? Winter. What do we do in winter? We, we had a winter day today, did we not? What do we do in winter? 
we shiver, we, we dress up, we actually put some extra layers on. Even in the temple, when we go to this place in the temple, we're going to see that obviously it's winter. Keep that in mind when we think about this. John told us the place where Jesus paced and taught. The place is called Solomon's Space or Solomon's Colonnade. If you've got a King James or the Solomon's Porch, your Bible might say. And it was the place that Solomon, even though he was not of the tribe, that he could actually go into the Holy of Holies. He wasn't a priest, but he was the king who rebuilt the temple. He was as, if you would, close as he could get to the Holy of Holies without going in because he couldn't go in because he was not of the priestly division. But he was the king who rebuilt. So his place was as close as, as, cl- as basically getting on. You ever seen a kid on the diving board and they, they're afraid to dive, but they really want to go, but they really can't? That was King Solomon's place. Only the Messiah would be there, someone, a stranger that could not go holy of holies, because what's Jesus getting ready to do? He's claiming that spot, and he's teaching. He's back here, and he's right here on the edge. And what's happening is he's stirring up the Jewish leaders because he's right on the edge. He's already done miracles. He's healed people. He's brought people from the dead, and, and they're like, we cannot deny these miracles. And he's here at Solomon's place, space, colonnade. He's right on the edge of the Holy of Holies, and he's teaching, and he's walking. And they're like, only the Messiah would be doing that. Only the Messiah has that space because the Messiah has direct access to the Holy of Holies. He's saying, I am so close to it that you can't hardly stand it. And they knew this. The Jewish leaders knew this. That's why they said, you tell us clearly if you're the Christ. Because was he telling them? And what does he even say? He's right here, and he's like, would the, would the Messiah do this? And then they knew that was what the Messiah would do. Would the Messiah heal people? They knew that's what the Messiah would do. And, and Jesus constantly, if we read back through the scriptures, he was in trouble almost every Saturday. Why? Sabbath. He was healing people. And what the Jews pray every Sabbath? We taught you this. Every Sabbath, the Jews would finish their Sabbath with what? Lord, heal us. Heal our land. Heal our people. And every Saturday, what was Jesus in the business of doing? Healing. And they said, he has a demon because he healed on the Sabbath. Lord, heal our people. <laughs> That's called a big H with a hypocrite on it, right? They were so blind that they were saying, heal our people. And the Lord Jesus is busy healing the people so they might believe. But because of their arrogance and their pride, the same thing that kicked Satan out of heaven, the same thing that kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, the same thing that keeps many people out of heaven today is the pride of mankind. It's your pride and my pride. If we can't bow ourselves before a holy God saying, I will surrender, because most people, especially American-made, is I will not surrender. I will not bow to anyone because I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman, and you won't tell me what to do. I'll do it myself my way. You'll get your results as well, won't you? How come we can't follow a simple formula? These people are, if you think about it for a moment, they're standing in the presence of God Almighty. God is speaking to them verbally. They hear God speak to them directly, and yet they don't believe. How are we to believe that we can preach today and believe somebody in this congregation would be interested enough to actually receive the Lord Jesus Christ? How can we believe that someone watching by Facebook or YouTube would want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? The answer is we can't fathom it how God uses the preaching and teaching of his word to reach people. Majority of people in America today, especially because we're comfortable, we're getting a little more uncomfortable, aren't we? I hope gas prices go to $18 a gallon. You think God will get our attention then? God is crying out, listen, listen, are we praying for those people in Russia and Ukraine? Are we praying for the world? Lord, listen, do what only you can do. We've said it 10 years ago. I don't believe the church will be the same in 10 to 20 years. 
I believe we won't be meeting here probably in another 10 years. It'll be illegal to speak the things that we speak now. Speaking against homosexuality and all the other lifestyles, alternative lifestyles that the world is saying is okay is illegal in Canada today. Did you know that? It's even illegal in some countries to read the scriptures that speak about that. God forbid, but it's happening and we know it's coming. If they persecuted the Lord Jesus Christ, he promised we would be persecuted for his namesake. You know what he said about that? He said, blessed are you. Go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to receive blessing when you're persecuted. You say, well, I don't like it. Do you think Jesus liked hanging on the cross? Do you think he liked every stripe he took for you and for me? But by his stripes, we are what? We are healed. He brought about salvation for you and for me. But many times, we don't want to give up ourselves uh, to put Jesus first. The Jewish leadership understood the actions Jesus demonstrated with those of the coming Messiah. They couldn't deny it. There was nothing they could do tonight. Because they, they even talk about the good works. The Jewish leadership wanted Jesus to declare his title, not so they could believe him, but so they could what? They wanted to stone him. That's why the title of today's sermon is, that's it. That's it. They just want you to say the word. Say that you're Messiah, and we're, we know that where you were born. How do they know where he was born? How did Herod know where Jesus was born? He called in all the scribes. Right? Hey, where's this king of kings that the Magi are talking about? Where is he to be born? They said he's to be born where? In Bethlehem, in the city of David. That's where he's to be born. So, listen, all the scribes and Pharisees, they knew this. Where was he to be born? In Bethlehem. But what did they joke? No, he's of Nazareth. He's just a man. He don't even know who his daddy is. That's what they did because of their unbelief. But I want you to see this. Christ declared his divinity. He pointed to the many miracles and good works he did as his credentials and evidence to help their unbelief. Jesus said his miracles bear witness to his deity. Can anyone raise anyone from the dead today? No, I don't care how many miracles you might have, how many tricks you have in your bag. You say, well, I know I've heard of somebody that has voodoo, and let's not have a stupid conversation today. Can anyone raise anyone from the dead? As a matter of fact, can anyone give life to someone today? Everybody take a deep breath. We've done this before. And let it out slowly. Compliments of whom? The Lord Jesus Christ, God. He gave you everything that you have. That's why he requires everything from you. And then when you give everything to back to him, he says, now I'm going to give it back to you. Use it for my glory. It's a pretty good system, isn't it? If we would simply follow the God who made us, the God who wants to save us, the God who wants to sustain us, the God who wants to give us eternal life, if we simple, simply follow his ways, listen, life is sweet. And then when we die, we see him face to face. It's no longer by faith that we believe, it's by sight that we see him. And we will see him. Jesus told the Jewish leadership they did not believe because they were not his sheep. How insulting can that possibly be? He, later, he earlier told them that you are of your father, the devil. Here's some good news and some bad news. What would you like first? The good news is you can be the sheep of God if he draws you to himself. You can receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone, everywhere can accept the Lord Jesus Christ if he draws them to himself and be born again, to be born into the family of God, to belong to him, to have that gift of eternal life, to have that protection, to have the knowledge of knowing no one or nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God. You can have that today. The bad news is, if you don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you are forever separated. You are not his sheep, and you do not belong to his pasture. You do not have his protection. You do not have eternal life. You have forever the torment of hell, and you have the guilt and shame of pain for that in a place of torment forever. There is no party in hell. That was a big thing when I come through. ACDC sang a song called Highway to Hell, and all his friends are going to be there too. You remember that? They're on the highway to hell because there's a party there. If hell is a place of fire and damnation and darkness, I got news for you. We only have conversation of one man, the rich man that was out in Lazarus, not the Lazarus that Jesus is going to raise from the dead shortly, but the Lazarus that was the poor man outside the rich man's house, he would beg for food. Lazarus the beggar. And the rich man, the Bible says, died and went to hell. Jesus told this story. He says, hey, send Lazarus over here just a drop of water on my tongue. I am in torment. Can't do that. You had your time. You had your opportunity. Well, then send him to my brothers who are still living and tell them, don't come to this place, this place of torment. And what does Abraham say? Even if they have someone that comes back from the dead, they will not believe. Why? Because they have hard hearts like many of you have today. You think you have tomorrow. You think you're guaranteed tomorrow. And listen, aren't you glad that some of us today have received the Lord Jesus Christ? You let the Lord Jesus Christ soften your heart and you receive that free gift of salvation. No one can take it from you and you want to share it with everybody that you know. But you got to tell them, listen, a lot of people say, just give your heart and life to Jesus, Jesus Christ. He'll make your life better. Oh, he'll make your life better, but you'll get tormented, right? You'll get persecuted because the world hates Jesus first and then it hates us Next, party, party is not the way of Jesus. Celebration is the way of Jesus. We were watching a film with somebody who was not a Christian, and I said, look, Christians have fun too. We, we're as crazy as we used to be. We're, just, we're now just righteously crazy, right? It just changes a little bit. Here we go. And he makes us new. Jesus declared, uh, Jesus told the Jewish leadership they did not believe because they were not his sheep. Jesus emphasized his sheep know his voice. Jesus declared himself the giver of eternal life. I'm the one who gives eternal life. There, look at, look at verse 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. They understood what Jesus was saying. I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ, the one that was promised. Jesus described the oneness with God the Father. <clears throat> this caused unbelieving Jews to take up stones to kill him. There in your notes, Jesus asked the Jewish leaders, for which good work do you stone me? The blinding unbelief of the Jewish leadership caused them to see Jesus' good works, but regard him only as a mere man. You, we don't, we don't stone you for your good works, your God works. We stone you or we're going to stone you because you claim that you're God. And there's people that said, Jesus never claimed in anywhere in the Bible that he was God. I think they've ever read John chapter 10. John chapter 17, you think they've ever read the Bible? This is, they're just like these unbelieving Jewish leadership. There are people who will try to find fault with everything in the Scripture and say, well, the Bible never says. If the Bible says that Jesus never spoke about homosexuality, you ever hear that today? Jesus never spoke, spoke about these things. Is Jesus God? Did God speak about it in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Yes. If the Bible speaks about it, then let me tell you, here's the secret. Jesus because Jesus is God, amen? Don't put up with the, the tomfoolery and the, and the craziness that people try to come up with the arguments. Don't let them drain you into that. They're not interested in the things of God. They're just like these unbelieving Jewish leadership. They don't want to lose their position or their status in church or society. They just want you to look at them and not look to Christ. Don't waste your time with those people. 
You get out there where the ripe fruit is. You share the gospel, of course. But don't spend your time sitting there trying to argue your point that you can win the argument because, listen, if you can talk somebody into something, somebody else can talk them out of it. If the Holy Spirit convicts their heart and changes their life, nobody can talk them out of it. You can't talk me out of salvation because I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. My Redeemer lives. I know that from the Word of God and from my own experience in my life. The, listen, Jesus escaped the grass of the mob, traveled beyond the Jordan to the area of Bethany. You'll see the next week where he's going to see Lazarus dies. And then here's the good news, y'all, when we finish with this. Many Jewish people came to him and believed in him for eternal life. They looked. He was baptized. They said, John never did any of this good works. And we were baptized by John. John was a righteous man. They recognized John. And then they said, listen, Jesus comes. <laughs> and he was baptizing here before. His disciples were not Jesus himself. And he's done all these miraculous things. There is no possible way to deny the work of, of God. And he says he's the one that has the gift of eternal life. These intelligent, spirit-led people said, I'll take that free gift of eternal life. You know, Romans 6.23, Paul wrote later, For the wages of sin is what, church? Death or hell. But the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. There is but one way. There is but one door. There is but one gate to heaven. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you if you're saved today, if you're God's sheep. Mike talked about sheep last week, about how he didn't say the word dumb, but he talked about sheep going off, sheep going off the cliff, one sheep falling the next. All we like sheep have done what? Gone astray, says Scripture. But here's the good news about God's sheep. Let me give you some good news. We hear his voice. God does speak to his people. Number two, we know he knows us. Is that comforting? We sing that song, He Knows My Name. What a comfort we have knowing that He didn't. Just, he, he knows how many <clears throat> hairs are on our head. It's a terrible analogy today, isn't it, for me? We obey His commands and we follow Him. Are we perfect? Collective, no. When we, when we sin against Him, we say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. I, would you forgive me my sins? I did that. And He says, yeah, I forgive you. Now go on, don't do it again. Finally, we have eternal life. Isn't that good? Isn't that awesome? I don't fear anything. Shoot me in the head, I'm going to heaven, right? Get killed in a car wreck, I'm going to heaven. Share the gospel with somebody who don't like me, I'm going to heaven. There is nothing you can do to stop me from going to heaven. No one, no thing, no angel, no devil, no nothing can stop me from going to heaven. While I'm living, my mouth will speak for him. And while I'm, listen, when I'm dead and living again, obviously we know absent from the body, present with the Lord, I'm going to speak to him. Amen? I'll speak for him and with him here, and then I'll speak with him in glory. I can't lose. Sounds cocky, doesn't it? No, it's, listen, it's confidence. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Nobody, nothing can take me from the hand of God. Woo! That's pretty exciting today, isn't it? That's something you should celebrate if you're a Christian. Some of you say, I wish you'd be more quiet. Check your salvation. You can't help but shout to the Lord. Ask David. He said, I'll become more undignified than this. That's what he told his wife. I will listen. I will sing. I will praise him because he saved me. Yo, if you understand that you're saved, listen, it'll make you want to dance and do a jig, right? You'll want to celebrate and say, God, I want to do something different. I just want to sit sucker and sour, you know? We usually in Baptist churches, we'll sing, we'll sit and look like we're dying. Half of y'all are falling asleep today. Listen, you got something to stay awake for. And we sing a song, oh, how I love Jesus. 
What time is the thing going to be over? Oh, how I love. Hey, football game comes on this afternoon. I can't make it back to church. Masters is on, Pastor. Hey, we got, Pastor, we cut it short. Masters finals on. Well, that's over by the time church starts, right? We love this world so much that we put Jesus way, way back in the back of the bus. We put him in the back seat and say, when I'm ready for you, when I'm in trouble, I'll come get you. He wants to be first and foremost. His sheep know his voice. They follow his voice. When he says come, they come. When he says go, they go. And finally, we have eternal protection. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Not just eternal life. We have eternal protection. Nothing shall penetrate heaven. There's not going to be some war, cosmic war in the future where we have to defend ourselves. Never, never again will we have to defend ourselves. We stand in the presence of Almighty God. When he speaks, it happens. Look at creation. You'll see today. I heard the birds chirping super loud this morning. It was right when the light was transitioning. They were saying what? Oh, praise the one who saved, right? He didn't save their souls, but he made them. And I've told you before, humans are the only people who disobeyed God. The birds still do what he said to do. The trees still do what he says to do. Even the amoebas do what he said to do, right? We're the only of his creation. The Bible calls us his chief creation. We were made in the image of God. We're the only ones who disobey him. What a terrible word for us today, isn't it? But you know what? We're the, also the only ones that he died for. He didn't die for the dog and the cat, and some of you think they're humans and part of the family. I'll leave that there. He died for, he died for people that we might be saved and redeemed and be with him forevermore. What a good God we serve, y'all. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us and you give us an opportunity to hear your word. We know very sure that, Lord, you, uh, the word is true. You confirm it in our hearts. And, Lord, we don't have to verify it because... You've already spoken, and you're God. You're creator God, you're savior God, you're our Lord. Lord, we need you much greater than you would ever need us. But yet you choose us because you love us. And that's so hard for us to sometimes comprehend in a hateful world. But Lord, I'm thankful that when we get saved, when we truly give our heart and life to Jesus Christ, when we obediently follow your voice, Lord, you don't lead us into the path of destruction. You lead us on the way of righteousness, the narrow way to heaven. And I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray today... There's some boy, girl, man or woman here today that have never given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Lord, if they could only get over their obstacles and their hurdles of their hurt, their past, whatever it might be, and hear the voice of God saying, you must be born again. Come today and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would turn their heart to you, that, Lord, they would come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior and have a new life. And, Lord, they would be shouting and celebrating what we're shouting and celebrating about, that Jesus Christ has saved our souls, that we are redeemed. Lord, touch the soul today that's near as hell, because it's real. Hell's still hot, heaven's still beautiful, Lord. And we are looking forward to the day that we see you face to face. We want none of our friends, none of our enemies, none of our family to get to the awful place of hell. Lord, help them. Uh, because they need you. We can't do it by ourselves, and we can't even live the Christian life by ourselves. Lord, thank you that the Holy Spirit wa walks lockstep with us day by day. We want to tell you publicly we love you. We cherish you. In Jesus' name we pray.